Let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 20. For our communion services, uh, <clears throat> we have been going through a series uh, called The Law and Grace and uh, seeing how it relates to, certainly to, to communion and making use of the Ten Commandments, which would be the narrower use of the law. Sometimes the, the word the law is the, the whole Bible itself. Sometimes it's uh, all of the, the law and the laws, and sometimes it's the, the Ten Commandments, and that's how we're using it. Now, we have um, <clears throat> come to the commandment that... I have to tell you, I think there's a, a, a good deal of confusion over whether it applies. You know, let's face it, when it comes to uh, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, and uh, the other commandments, I don't hear anybody saying, well, that one doesn't count anymore. And yet, when it comes to the Lord's Day, the, the Sabbath, there seems to be some, some real question about that. Do, do we still, do we have a Sabbath? Do we practice a Sabbath? What's the difference between a Sabbath and the Lord's Day? And, you know, what can we do on the Lord's Day? You remember, uh, some of you might be old enough to remember the blue laws. Any of you remember those? A few of you, yeah. And, uh, Sure, there were, you know, stores weren't open, and even the necessary stores like a drugstore, I, I remember as a little kid, uh, you know, aisles would be blocked off and darkened that weren't the actual medicines, uh, you know, for necessity and, and so on. But, of course, none of that takes place today. So, where, you know, where does all of this fit? When I was in seminary... I had a, a friend whose wife grew up in a denomination and a family that was uh, very uh, strict. They took the Sabbath seriously, and uh, they lived up by one of the Great Lakes, and they would actually, as a family, they would go to the beach on Sundays, on some Sundays but the children were not allowed in the water. And so that was their, their view. And, it, of course, he, he told me, you know, in one of his less noble moments of talking with her, you know, he said, oh, so I guess keeping the Sabbath ends at the shoreline, is that right? You know, and, and that's the question. Would they have been breaking the Sabbath if they, you know, they had their swimming suits on and everything, and they're, they're in the beach watching everybody go in, and would they have been breaking the Sabbath had they walked into the water? Or could they have walked in but not really exercised or, you know, not really swam or anything, you know? Would that be keeping the Sabbath? So, you know, there's questions, and I have to tell you, though, I think in our day, most people don't even think about it. It's, it's never talked about. It's not an issue. Most don't grapple with it that I'm aware of. Uh, we had 
you know, we raised four children. They were all in competitive sports. It was a, it was a constant thing for us to figure out what, what to do and what not to do that would bring honor to Christ. So we're going to look at it today, uh, even as we uh, move toward this table. And I hope that you will come away from this not feeling burdened by the Sabbath, not feeling burdened by what we can't do, but being freed and seeing the beauty of this gift. What is the Sabbath? Exodus 20, verse 8 It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray. Lord, we need you to uh, teach us what's right. Um, we, We tend to get all out of balance one way or the other. We move towards strictness. We add that which you never said or meant. If we quit thinking about it, we, we are ignoring one of your ten. One of your ten words to us of how to live blessed lives. So will you teach us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's the fourth of the Ten Commandments, and there are some, some of you may have had uh, this kind of a background, there are some who would want to say that since Christ, we are freed from observing that. There's a problem with saying that, though. The problem is it's rooted in creation. And things that are rooted in creation, for instance, marriage, creation itself, the creation mandate to take care of the world, and the Sabbath. Unless Jesus specifically says that doesn't count anymore, and he hasn't said that, But he would have to say that for us to say we don't need to think about that anymore because we've been freed from that. I don't really hear anyone, even those that have that view, saying really there's only nine commandments now, you know, the the big nine. They don't. But some act as though that's the case. So... It is, there is some way that we are to fulfill it from the time of creation till the time of new creation. And then we'll see what he has for us. That's actually called the Sabbath rest, the Sabbath rest that we we really are looking forward to. We, We taste it now, 
but we're looking forward to another. And that fits so well with communion. That's really what we're doing today, right? We taste it. We get a little taste, but there's going to be the big banquet to come, the feast to come. So we need to see it, first of all, as a gift from God. And I'm going to take you to various passages in Exodus 16, just a few chapters earlier. It says this, and you will remember the, uh, the, the account of what was going on here. This had to do with the manna from heaven. Exodus 16, verse 23, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So you get it? It's the day before the Sabbath. They're supposed to cook for that day, gather and cook for that day and for the next day. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Obviously, that would have been the problem. That would have been why they would have gathered every day and prepared every day, because they'd say, I ain't eating this tomorrow. It's going to stink, and there's going to be worms in it. But it didn't. Okay? This was God's plan. Verse 25, Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the fields. Six days you shall gather it. Does that sound familiar? Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. And then we read down, verse 27, on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather. You know, he just said, don't go out to gather. But some of them said, well, let's go gather, okay? Some of them went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. It's a gift. He's given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. This is not a burden to the people. It's a gift. He's saying there's something you don't have to do. Now, some people couldn't stand it. And they said, oh, I'd rather, you know, gather and cook every day. And even though he said, that's not the way I want you to do it. And so they waited. And then on the Sabbath, they went out and said, they said well, you know, there's no manna. How are we going to gather and cook? And he said, that's what I said. This was for you so, so that you don't have to do that. Stay in your homes. Enjoy what I've provided for you. And here's one less thing you, you have to do on this day. And for those that obeyed him, it became a relief. You see, they didn't have to worry about it that one day. By the way, that's one of the reasons with our community groups that meet tonight, we, we start with some kind of a simple meal, and we've tried to emphasize a simple meal because we don't want anyone having to cook all afternoon on uh, the Lord's Day. Uh, we don't want anyone to have that be a burden for them <clears throat> in keeping with what the day is about.
God was showing that when we do things his way, trusting him, he's the provider. See, that's what he was trying to show them. But too often people see the law as some kind of a, a burden that he has placed on us. If you're in Christ, it's not a burden. It's the way to live a joyful life. Now, what are we to fill the day with? Okay? What are we to do? Instead of starting out by talking about what can't I do then, what are we to do? Well, we need to understand it's a day for worship. Um, I have to start with the question of, of when it is. Is the Sabbath Saturday or Sunday? Clearly, the Old Testament Sabbath was Saturday. But in the New Testament, we see a different practice. We see that the gathering was on Sunday. Why is that? Acts 20, verse 7, I'll just read it to you because we're going to hit it several verses. It says, On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, and that's in keeping with the practice that we're going to partake of in a few minutes. So, for the early church, the practice was to gather on Sunday. Of course, the Jewish uh, people would still gather on the seventh day. The New Testament church was gathering on the first day. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up that he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And then Revelation 1, verse 10, it says, it uses the term, on the Lord's day, meaning the first day of the week. And by the way, <clears throat> I'm going to use that term interchangeably. I already have been. But the term Sabbath or the Lord's Day. You can use either one. Some people uh, prefer to talk about the Christian Sabbath or the Lord's Day, but you can use either one in terms of the principle of what we're talking about. So why the first day? Why did they switch over? Because something happened on that day. And it was something so significant that they always wanted to gather to celebrate it. Of course, it's the resurrection. That's when it changed. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath celebrated the creation. In the New Testament, the Lord's Day celebrates His new creation, His redemption, His resurrection, and looks forward to the eternal rest. So the first thing that the day is to be, be filled with is worship itself. Secondly, it's an opportunity for rest. Again, in Exodus 20, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You know, a lot of people spend all their time trying to figure out what I what I can't do, and really the issue is not so much what goes on, on on the Lord's Day, but it's what you've done the other six days that enables you 
to obediently and joyfully enjoy the Lord's Day. There was a USA article about uh, uh, American work patterns, and it said this. Uh, 68% said they need more fun. Anybody agree with that? No? Yeah? You need more fun? Okay. I think it's higher than 68% in here. Uh, Need a long vacation? 67%. Often feel stressed? 66%. 60% said they feel time is crunched. Uh, 51% want less work, more play. Uh, 49% feel pressured to succeed. 48% feel overwhelmed. This is the world we live in, and it's especially the country we live in. You go into some other countries and other parts of the world, and you just don't see that kind of high pressure. There are those that are worse than the United States, but that kind of high pressure, high stress. Resting from work on the Lord's Day gives us this opportunity. It gives us the opportunity to testify to the world we live in that is so self-reliant to testify to them that we are not defined by our work. That's something that ought to make believers different. We're not defined by our work. We're not saved by our work. We're saved only by the work of Christ. And that's why we gather this morning. Not to celebrate the great things we have done Glory be to us. That's not it. But to celebrate the great things he has done, the work he has done. So we stop and we celebrate it. And then the next thing is uh, the Lord's Day is an opportunity to do that which is necessary. Our confession of faith calls them works of necessity. Um, In Luke chapter 6, It says this, on the Sabbath, while he, uh, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees, now remember the Pharisees would have been ones that would have not only been very strict, but they would have added rule after rule of what you can't do. Some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? He said to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now that's a key. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. In the parallel passage over in Mark, he says, The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So our confession of faith calls that a work of necessity, that which you have to do, and that would include preparing your meal, you know, enough to eat at least for the rest of the day, but there are also jobs where that's the case. And the tricky thing in our society is that living in in a a society that, that doesn't in any since recognize the Lord's Day, there's going to be jobs that, that could have at one point been not done on the Lord's Day. At one 
point in our country. They would not have been done on the Lord's Day, but now they are. And that's the tricky thing of being a Christ follower in a society that is, is, uh, you know, does not respect what the Word of God says. So works of necessity, and then it's, uh, the Lord's Day is also an opportunity to do acts of mercy, Luke uh, 6, 6 through 10. Let me just tell you what goes on there. You can look it up later. Basically, we have Jesus on another Sabbath. He's in the synagogue. He's teaching. There he sees a man whose right hand is withered. It's withered up. Okay, it's drawn together. He can't use it. And so the Pharisees decide, well, we're going to watch and see what he does with that withered hand. Is he going to heal him? If he does, we got him. And what does Jesus do? Well, he heals him. And I am convinced that one of the reasons he was determined to do that, of course, he knew the hearts of the, the Pharisees and that they were trying to to, uh, you know, accuse him of something. But he also wanted to, to show us, here's, here's the man with the, the withered hand. And I don't think anyone would say that it was absolutely necessary that he be healed that day. It wasn't. He, I mean, if Jesus wanted to not do this act of mercy, or if he felt it violated the Sabbath, because he wouldn't violate the Sabbath, that would have been a sin, that would have wrecked all of our salvation. So he deliberately healed him to show that works of mercy are appropriate to do on the Lord's day. It's a good thing to do works of mercy on the Lord's day. You know, when I go on Sunday to visit somebody in the hospital. It always does my heart good, you know, in the hospital or a nursing home. When I go see somebody from the church and there's somebody else there or somebody comes in while I'm there. Whenever I see that, I have to think, you know, what a great use of the Lord's Day to do this work of mercy. Maybe it's something that I didn't have time to do the other six days. And now I have the opportunity. Isaiah 58 says this, and it's beautiful. So listen to what it says. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Who wouldn't want that? Really. Who would not want to delight in the Lord and ride on the heights of the earth? So back to our question. What can I do on the Lord's Day? Is it right to wash the car? Is it right to play ball? Is it right to be in an athletic league? 
to do other work, to shop, to go out to eat. We could list issues all over the place for a long time. Here's your answer. I'm not going to give you the answer. (laughs) Because that would be way too easy. And if I did, it would fall into the pharisaical type of teaching. And here's what would happen. If I said, to keep the Sabbath, you can't do this and this and this, then you would either rebel against what I said or obey what I said. And that's not the point. It's not for me to decide what is right on the Lord's day. But let me tell you this. It's also not for your soccer coach to decide or your dance teacher or your school to make the decision for what you and your family will do. They're not the ones that ought to be making that decision. And look, I've been there. I know it's not easy. It's hard. And you're going to take real flack if if you, if you draw any line other than what your coach or your dance teacher or your boss or whatever, other than what they try to dictate to you, if you draw any other line, it's going to be hard. I'll just tell you that. As your pastor, I want you to wrestle with God about it. I want you wrestling with God about it. Tonight, you that are in community groups, you're going to talk about it in God's providence. You know, I don't think there's going to be any lack of stuff to talk about tonight in community groups. But I want you to use the framework of the principles we've just talked about. And I'm not asking you to wrestle with it because it's easy, but because I want you to have joy in His promises And once you have that, you will never settle for the easy route again. I want you to ride on the heights of the earth. I want our folks to find the Sabbath again. But look, if if you find the Sabbath and you miss the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ, then you're going to miss the joy of the Sabbath. It's not just about what you do and don't do. It's not a bunch of rules. But it's there for you to find. If you find the Sabbath and celebrate it not as a burden, not as a law, and not doing your own thing, you will find the joy of it, and He will cause you to ride on the heights of the land. Because here's what He has said. And here's the whole idea of the Sabbath. Right here, if you want it captured, who's the Lord of the Sabbath? The one that said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See? You see where that fits? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul's 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, all, all that we do when we have the Sabbath, when we have the Lord's Day, it gives us opportunity to reflect on that eternal Sabbath, not sitting down and, and, and resting from uh, you know, activity. I, I, I think eternity is going to be active. But enjoying rest from the burdens that you all brought in here with you today that you're going to face this week that maybe you don't even know about, that's what we will rest from. And so... When we come to the table, I want to encourage you to lay those down and ask God to give you today a Sabbath rest because of what this represents, what He did on the cross, the giving of Himself for us. Here's what the Scripture says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And so let a person examine himself and eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so on the first day of the week we have gathered and we're going to break bread together. Not my bread. His bread. Representing his body. And we'll drink some fruit of the, the vine. Representing his blood. Given for us. So that we who labor and are heavy laden we who feel the need to get to God and to do our own thing can rest from that because what he did was enough. That's why we have this day. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we ask you to take these elements, this bread, this fruit of the vine, and use them to nourish us from their common everyday use, to nourish us by faith, spiritually, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.